This week's episode was brought to you by Katherine Olson and listeners like you. If you enjoy listening to The Whole Rabbit and would like to help us keep making episodes about weird, esoteric stuff every week, please visit www.patreon.com slash thewholerabbit, where your monthly donation of just five bucks gets you access to all our extended shows, a 5 by 5 vinyl sticker of our big bobied cover art, and access to our Discord server, where we talk about all the lies your guru told you. This week... We're joined by Heka Astra, a research assistant on the show, to discuss the Egyptian Book of the Dead and the Anatomy of the Soul. In the extended episode, we discuss the secrets of mummification and the occult rituals used to accomplish the journey through the underworld. Thank you, and enjoy the show. I don't know where you're supposed to wear you're supposed to roll the R. It's like a hyper the, D. It's on like the right, tip. On the tip. It's like it's like the tip, but like right behind the tip. Just behind and on the tip. <laughs> yeah. No. Mm. Just the tip. Just the tip, Dingus. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Whole Rabbit, where we do more than just place the corpse's feet in blocks of cement and throw them into the rarely used oil drum at Cousin Polly's construction yard. Nay, we get jealous that our brother banged our wife, so we put him in a box made of lead, hack him into bits, and hide his penis. So when his poor, sad wife or sister or whatever goes to put him back together, she has to use a golden one she made for herself. Because this week, we're discussing the Egyptian Book of the Dead, Egyptian mythology, and some stories about dying. Because why not? I'm your host, Luke Madrid, the Hacking Rabbit. I'm joined this week by co-host, Mari Samson, the Succulently Savage. Awoo! Dr. Dingus, the infected and suffering. Did you know that uh, it, you wouldn't think this, but it actually takes a lot more weight to uh, sink a child corpse than it does an adult corpse. But it takes the most weight to sink an elderly person because they oftentimes have osteoporosis. Five times body weight. And Malachorus Miss Funt for the fun guy of fun guy is having audio problems, but is here with us and is trying to figure out what checkbox button to push to make his stuff magically work. We're joined this week for the first time on the show, but not the first time writing for it. Research assistant Heka Astra. Hello. Greetings. Hello. Hi. Hi. So you you're what we would call it a dead body enthusiast. Maybe, possibly. Are you a necromancer? Are you a corpse? <laughs> whoa, dude! Whoa, whoa, whoa! You <laughs> ease into that question. Uh, no, I I I touch dead skin every day. Oh, That's you're a mortician, Nito. No, my main job is leather working, but I also do like a bit of taxidermy and. That's still a mortician. Like I think it qualifies. I mean, animals qualify as people. In my I, book, I heard animals are people too. Yeah, but heard, taxidermy is the same thing as the is the mortuary. <laughs> I heard I touch dead skin every day, and I just had an image of you washing your hands, and then the fingernails falling off. Lords, <laughs> you know, human human skin is closest to pig skin, which is actually really shitty leather. Am I allowed to say shitty? Yeah. Oh yeah, it would be det- it would deteriorate easily. So you can make it's, a football out of human skin. It's really really pliable, so it. It doesn't hold its shape very well you and it could, tears really easily. You might be able to use it to stop a leak in a piece of PVC pipe if the water isn't pressurized. Yeah. Is it stretchy? It's very stretchy, yeah. That's why they make pants out it's, of... Could you make one of those kids' sticky hands with it? I mean, you'd be better <laughs> off making pants out of lambskin or, or maybe goat if you want something heavier. Carved leather or paint it? <laughs> yeah, 
pretty much anything made out of leather I can do. Oh my goodness. Water form it. I've carved it before. That's so awesome. Yeah. You're you can here. carve leather like wood. Yep. Well, we need you because you know about dead things in Egypt and actually many other things. But this episode, your knowledge was expansive and you pretty much wrote the whole episode. So we thought, well, let's just have our research assistant on the show. This is something we like to go over as it seems like it's really great information that people just don't talk about. When it comes to occultism, I think knowing the anatomy of the soul is like, it seems like it'd be fundamental. It seems like that's something that you'd want to know right off the bat. So I think we'd like to start there. In Kabbalah, we have a thing called the nefesh, which is a soul, but it's also the physical body. There is a corollary in the Egyptian system, isn't there? So you were talking about the cot, right? Yeah, I think we should start with the physical body because that's a soul too. It's interesting that they would address it as one. Because the living body is made of energy and that energy has also links to the divine inherently connected to soul bodies. You can't get around that. Like the body is is just as sacred as any other aspect of the soul. Yeah, the, the like you would say, the body is made up of uh, a bunch of parts, like cells and stuff. And each one of those are an individual in their own respect. So I guess the cot in itself would be like the spirit of the shell that your higher spirit inhabited while you were alive. So it's, it's kind of living, like, huh? Oh, it's just, it's the living energy of the universe that is uh, specific to you as an individual. So that's why it's included as a, as a body of the soul. Because uh, it's the thing that forms your vessel, correct? Yeah, everything, everything else um, you basically perceive through that. So there's no way uh. that like in the human experience, you can't. You can't really separate the body from the soul for as long as you have the human experience. So it's like a so filter that's anchored to you. Yeah, they're just recognizing that the, the body is inherently connected to the soul by, by counting it as one of the soul bodies. Uh, but all the other eight bodies, they're all complex pieces that tie in to the physical body. And we can only experience so much through the physical body. When a person died... The cot would be mummified and remain still in the tomb, while the other eight souls were still active. Believing that all the bodies were linked, even after death, the idea of mummification was to provide an everlasting life for the other part of themselves in the afterlife, as well as to use the body as a vessel of communication for the other body. Yeah, so the cot is the physical body both before and after death it's still referred to as the cot so what might happen to somebody who lost their physical body in death like uh what like uh what if they were burned to death or right. just severely mutilated maybe they're ground up under a horse <laughs> or something terrible like that you know or they're just uh incinerated like how most people you know that's what i said to begin with yeah but i'm just On saying like people <laughs> people go to death that way what's it called cremation no yeah that's you what i've to- that's, that's too dramatic. Do. Uh, that's funny. But no, people cremation is an official uh, burial rite, which the is interesting Buddhist that they would Egypt. that they would destroy the, the vessel while other beliefs seek to preserve the vessel in any way possible. Like the mummy and the sarcophagus is a way to preserve the body, the cot as a vessel for the spirit to visit and use as almost like a house when it's it, checking it's out a, Earth. The body is also a means of communication beyond so it's a it's also 
mummifying it as a way to kind of perpetuate communication and help along their journey through the afterlife. So what happens when your dead god king comes back and starts intimidating the, the fucking harem? Saying return that he's the slab. saying return the slab and I'm the king and trying to take over Egypt. You know, think about these things, man. You know what this reminds you know, me of? The Bardo Thodal. At one point, you tell the person who's dying, if you try and come back to your body, it's not going to be there. Well, <laughs> yeah, not unless you got it mummified, then it is there. So then you eat hot chip and lie. <laughs> Uh, so, I, no, I, really, though, you can come back to your body after you die, according to multiple cultures. And in ancient Egypt, that's why they preserve the body. Well, yeah. if you also think about poltergeists, like sometimes spirits try to return anyway, regardless of whether the physical body is there or not. Yeah. And if you can, if you kind of think of cremation, I, I mean, I think of cremation as kind of like a pacifist approach to the whole thing of being like, well, I'll just release that energy to the universe. It's too instant for me. Like I would want to be buried whole under and then a tree, a baby tree planted on top of my body. I, I think be. that would be a lovely or something that makes fruit like that would be a great way to die or to be preserved. I want to be chummed because I won't be preserved. <laughs> I'll be bones really, really fast. That was uh, that was one method to like uh, punish witches was to trap them by planting them under like burying them under trees. I either want to do that or I want to be launched in the sun. There has to be some kind of like procession. <laughs> you can't you can't just put a body in a pizza oven and then close the door. That's so unsolved. It's, it's kind of weird. I need a little spaceship or something or just like I don't even care <laughs> if it's like a shuttle and they just like kick me out the airlock. You know, I don't I don't care. I, want I mean, to, everything. I want them to put me in one of those uh, fucking spinning amusement park rides. You know, the ones they, it's like a. A tower and a disc on top that spins around with a bunch of these hanging carriages, right? I've never been on one because I hate them, but I want them to put it, put my corpse on it until it gradually <laughs> falls apart and slings viscera on the no. bystand. Why not just put yourself into a centrifuge? When that head falls off, it's going to be like a rainy day. Dude, by the time you die, that would probably be an actual thing that you can get done in your will. And people yes. would probably pay money for tickets that go into your estate money. Like, you could probably set this shit up for real. I want a piece of his spleen. Well, I, I mean, want a piece of his liver. <laughs> uh, I want his cock. No. For the low price of $5, you can get splattered with gore. Yeah. Dingle gore. Even yellow shit. Dingle gore. Even the yellow shit that you can't even name. Okay, let's talk about the cob body, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's not as fleshy. The double. This reminds me of the illusory uh, light body already from the Book of the Dead. Yeah. It, it's not, like, wholly accurate to call it the double. It's kind of like a generic um, term Is it your that was adopted. No, it's not your shadow. It, it, I would think of it more like your spirit body. Is it a recording so, of ego? No, it... It's more like your spirit. Like, if you were to haunt somewhere, it would be whatever the fuck's left over that's haunting. Yeah. It's your, yeah, the, it's like your vessel. Yeah, it, it looks like it, but it's not your, it's not real, like physical. I would think of it more as like, it's your spiritual version of your body that can also, can also have all the like emotions of it. It and works just it. like a body, but just not for somewhere like here. 
I have a question. Yeah. I have a question. Okay. You know how like when people die and then you have a vision of them later or they come back in a vision or a haunting? Mm -hmm. Have you noticed that even if they die, say somebody dies and they're 90 years old, they usually will actually appear to people when they're like in their prime. Yeah. Like, that that the Ka body would be however they imagine themselves. Like it's your personal perception of your, it has to do with your physical body, but it's not actually what your physical body looks like. It's a projection uh, of how you felt the most you. Is that make yeah. sense? Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that for sure. Which is why it's almost always referred to as a double, but that's, mainly due to antiquated language. As we've said here, it's more accurately the spiritual self. It can act like a ghost body or a doppelganger, but it's not limited to these forms. It is the thing that returns to the tomb where the mummified body is and even may inhabit statues or items. It can eat and drink. It can walk around like ghosts of the dead and it has an independent will of its own. The Ka is active throughout a person's life and death, but when you die, you are said to go to one's Ka. It's possible this is the origin of the idea of meeting your doppelganger. It has a will of its own while you're alive. It kind of does though, doesn't it? Like when you fall asleep, it kind of like lingers over and like looks in the garbage. And <laughs> tries to look for used q-tips you know when if you have like an out-of-body experience but it's not like an astral travel experience that would be the yeah. call. Oh, uh, oh it's like you... a stand for our jojo fans out there ah uh, yes so it can morph and change depending on your attention or your wherever you you're focusing on like for example i've heard of people astral traveling while they're sleeping like you know it's not really a dream it, or and they go out of body and they seem to be able to fly around. But when they look down, they don't have a body or well, when, or sometimes if they like land on the ground for the sake of the sensation of landing on the ground, when they look down, they have feet, you know, with like shoes on or whatever they imagine. I don't know, but it they often will say that it changes constantly as they continue to reference their own body, quote unquote body. Well, it if it's specifically like astral traveling, that would be more relatable to the ba than the ka. Well, you said out of body as in like you're still in the actual real world, but you've you can separate from your body and travel around the real world. You're not in the yeah, spirit yeah. realm. Yeah, I had this one experience where I was getting onto a bus and I went and I sat down in a seat and I looked up and I saw myself still standing in the bus and then that me came and sat down into me so whoa that that experience that would be the car uh, does that make sense oh so it's uh, when you see it outside of yourself like as like you're still in your own body right yeah but it, it also exists within you as you can you're living. use it for like remote viewing and shit oh that makes sense it's like an apparition of yourself that you can see you can sense it and and learn to use it right yeah there's there's also like the way that the egyptians describe the aspects of the soul it's we're right now we're breaking it down and separating all of them but there's a lot of times where it's like the the one aspect will be attached or will join with another aspect so they're not they're not completely separate aspects of self sometimes they work together so oh, like okay. if you're if you're having like um like let's say remote viewing but it's not straight up astral projection then that could possibly be the ka and the ba working together 
Uh, so you can see through the eyes of it. Got it. Yeah, because the because the, the ba, ba is the traveler, the soul that travels. Yeah, so the the ba is often like it's represented as the human head on the falcon body, and Egypt uses a lot of symbolism to describe things. And because we're living life from the perspective of humans, we kind of subscribe these elements of the world as we perceive it to these energies. So the, the falcon would be the mobility mm. aspect, like it fly everywhere. And then the, fal- the bird's eye view of being able to look down and see like from yeah. a wider perspective, because you can have when you do it, you have both perspectives of where you are and then where the thing where the ba is correct yeah and you could still you could still have your ka where your ba is or you could have your ba be a, a completely doing its own thing while your ka is doing another thing like it, there's a lot that's why it's so complex to <laughs> kind of break this all down <laughs> and try and separate it because it all comes back together and it can uh, the ba is the one that can astral project which means what move into the mm-hmm. spirit realm correct yeah yeah so the ba plays a pretty big um part in the the journey through the underworld that's the the part that um the the falcon is also kind of reminiscent of horus so the ba tends to uh, fly a lot with horus and during this whole journey through the underworld and in, in the egyptian book of the dead the ba is said to fly with horus do you remember do you remember in lazarus on the black star album with bowie how he says and i i know i'll be free free like that blue bird oh uh, yeah i think he may be referring to the ba from my limited understanding as someone who doesn't do this often there's a difference between astral projection and out-of-body experiences at least yeah in terms of in terms of functionally so when you close your eyes and you can still see the room around you i've had it explained to me that this is the astral and then i've had it explained to me that an out-of-body experience is like some other level of experience so it sounds to me like that would be the ba it's like the full-on obe whoa holy shit i'm out of my body right now that's the ba you know for me doesn't didn't grow up in this culture it'd be hard to identify with the ka might be, but it sounds like if you got cursed and somebody's like driving nails into you and you're a voodoo doll, they'd be attacking your ka. Nah. Or that like, makes a, sense. A, 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 or, it's a, it's a foundation of yourself. Yeah. It, it, I, for someone who didn't grow up in that culture, it'd be a little, it's like, we don't think of it this way, but uh, it's definitely I, worth looking at. Now, now here's really interesting is that there's studies about, you know, the concept of karma and reincarnation. Sure. Yeah. Like when you die, you reincarnate in a new body, like a new cot. Yes. And then what's been shown is that if there's a strong correlation, there's children that report dying. They're like, I remember dying. And they report this as soon as they can talk. They remember a past life and, it, and it's been traced multiple times. And there's very interesting things that occur, such as they either have similar physical traits. Oh, interesting. Like if, if you have a um, balanced, like if one of your sides grows bigger than the other, uh, if you have a certain anomaly, a lot of times there's this yeah. weird stuff where like if somebody got shot with a bullet or stabbed, then the baby that starts talking about the past life or the person that does has like a scar wow. where, the, where the mortal wound was or a birthmark or a birthmark. There's something yeah. up with their skin there and it shows this pattern and it correlates with the story that they tell and they tell it so young as soon as talk that that child is like rearing to tell you about this story of oh i was on a plane over the pacific i i don't know where i was just fell in the water and all of a sudden here i am like literally they'll say 
their past life. So, but then they'll have physical scars. So I feel like also if it, the cot when it reincarnates will actually look to these spiritual bodies like the Ka and the Ba to incarnate, like it, yeah. it actually affects you throughout your lifetimes. It's just your ego. Yeah, that, in, that, that makes info sense that you told me that it's not your ego because it actually reincarnates into the next person naturally. It's a pattern. Like that damage could be connected to the Ka body is what you're saying. And then it manifests yes. into the Ka. And we may even say that the, yes. the health of the the cot or the body might be dependent on the strength of the ka itself right and as it heals that that mark might go away so that's so fascinating to understand but we've got a few more souls to go the next one's probably the most important for vampires Ooh. <laughs> and we're on the fourth one now which is the can kai- i be a vampire yeah do it read it can read, I- read about the kaibet the kaibet was the shadow shoot shoot okay I- is it shoot <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but if it was a shoot, you'd see the fucking whatever. It's similar to the car in the way that it could eat and drink funerary offerings and has an independent will to travel to and from the body and the tomb after death. The kaibet is believed to accompany the ba bird. In other words, the shadow accompanies the astral body. Okay. Hey, question. Is this what that, uh, you know, the ring spirit, that like long haired screaming uh, ghost monster yokai from Japan is? Yeah. That's probably what that is. You mean like. Well, why, why does it have such a vicious reputation? What the hell is this thing? Some kind of Are monster. Are you asking me? Yeah, we'll ask you. <laughs> yes, Miss Expert. <laughs> We're asking you. I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not an expert. I'm not. You an are today. <laughs> You're just the yeah, smart but, one on the show. Do it's you okay. know. But do you know what I'm talking about? Like, it's like a scary, it looks like a, a maiden, but then it, it like shrieks and has teeth and stuff. I, you know, that, you know what what, I'm talking about? I do. Now, I don't know if that's a Kai bit, but I do know. It comes out of the ceiling and stuff, but it's a, it's a haunting of some kind, but it's a violent haunting. I think if you strengthen your Kai bit, you can use it for supernatural reasons and forces. I've, I've seen it. Okay. Well, looking oh. through some of these occult libraries, I've seen rituals to strengthen your kaibet. One is like you bury food in your shadow, for instance. Whoa. Like it's really interesting. Like, well, but okay. So let, let from from the Egyptian perspective, uh, Heka, what's the kaibet? Uh, my my opinion is very biased on this because I'm I'm pretty into shadow work, so I automatically relate the shoot to the the shadow. Ah. Uh, and I honestly don't know what what to tell you. Like it's my my opinion's really biased on it, so. Well, it's so not it accompanies... unlike many things mentioned on this show. It would be worth hearing. <laughs> so I have a question. If it accompanies the astral body, then when you confront your shadow, would you have to do that in the astral realm? Remember how I was saying that the Ba is uh, symbolized by the falcon and it, it's highly mobile? So it can work with either force. Yeah, so it's basically saying like that your shadow has the the aspects or can have the aspects of Ba with it. I don't I don't know if that makes any sense. It the, reminds it, me a lot of in the Tibetan Book of the Dead again when it talks about this judgment period where your inner good conscience and your inner evil conscience separate. Okay, so like you know you know how if you set out um, ill intent towards something that that yeah. ill intent and go forth it's sort of i think that that's what they 
are kind of implying. Is it has a will of its of, own, is what it seems yeah. like. And, and it, it sort of seems like your ka has a will of its own, but your kai bit, because it accompanies your ba, is seems very powerful. And it seems like it has the ability to do things either for you or against you, depending on your relationship to it. Like to shape shift and move and to draw you into places, right? It can eat things. We know that much. And it can, if it if it has the ba to to use then it means that it can it can coax you into hallucinations and even delusions in real life which is scary that makes sense or it could or it could do that after you're dead like if you have unfinished business i feel like this is what happens so i guess we really don't know a whole lot about this particular aspect we just know that it, it exists. I would say that anything that you could describe as your shadow self would be relative to the kaibit. Like, I would feel yeah, like but... this is a ghost that haunts for blood. Well, like, what a, what I'm... With, with a grudge or something. Like, yeah, the grudge. <laughs> what I'm asking is just uh, on the books, is this something that academically it's just not that well understood compared to maybe some of these other ones? Well, it accompanies the ba. We know that much. It has sort of a will of its own. It is one of the bodies that can eat offerings that are placed around the tomb. And I've heard it said in some occult texts that it's often depleted by sexual activity. So so what, is this a hungry ghost? It could be a hungry ghost, too. It's like your hungry ghost. It's not it's not like some unchecked hungry ghost that's been living for it's thousands. It's just yours. It's just your hungry ghost. It's not like. Yeah, it's a, but yeah. it could be a dead person's, too. Like it could, it could be. be anybody's, and it, it usually comes. Well, everyone, the everyone has one. Yeah. So it could it could be anybody's. Like every if everyone has a, a kaibit, then it could be you know you could be talking about yours, or you could be talking about someone else's. You could be talking about it as it exists while you're alive. You could be talking about it as it exists after death. It the the kaibit is one of the three bodies that is like it's one of the one of the soul bodies that can. Um, revisit like in Egypt that's one of the one of the ones that they would leave offerings for in the uh, in the tombs can the kaibit possess other like blood relatives after the death of the person it was from I'm not sure about that. I believe it that's can a, be made to if you that's are a great like, question I think that if you are a skinwalker you might use your kaibit I think you you know what I mean? Like if you were like, there yeah. are ways to like use your Rasputin, kaibit like on overpower like mode. Like the legend of Rasputin, how he, there's a legend that he died already physically and somehow he was able to resurrect himself. And he, he was like a zombie where something possessed his dead body to where he would just walk around like a dead corpse. So that would be, that would be something like the shadow possessing the dead body. I don't know. I just think that that's interesting because I, I feel like I've heard a million stories about the Kaibit. It might be fun to do a show, oh. just deep dive on the shadow soul itself and see what is said about it in some sections of the left-hand path and, you know, outside it's, of the left-hand path. It seems to try to keep keep preserving itself and keep reproducing itself no matter what the means are it's really weird well that's that's pretty typical of like the shadow self if even outside of egypt like uh, that, that's pretty pretty typical for like your own personal demons if you want to go to that, that point you know they want to perpetuate themselves or if you want to go the route of, of psychology like you've got your id me 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 wants to feed itself and that's the only way it can reproduce that's interesting 
So let's talk about some good stuff. This next one, our fifth on the list, the Sahu. This one sounds like after Grandpa dies, your grandma's like, Oh, your Uncle Ben's probably windsurfing in heaven right now. <laughs> He'd be windsurfing on his Sahu, which is a spiritual body that can ultimately live in the heavens. It appears after passing through the judgment trials. Woo! And it contains all of the mental and spiritual capabilities of a living person. It is important to note that the quality of one's Sahu is linked to the cot or physical body and its successful mummification. thought this one was uh, kind of straightforward. Sounds like a lot of work. Why can't I just die? Okay, this makes sense because they were obsessed with the level of detail and preparations for the mummification because uh, poor people only got a few things. Like They usually did mausoleums there because you couldn't bury people in sand. No, they, they did. did. I, well, a lot in slaves, <laughs> slaves. <but> no. <laughs> what about like artisans? I thought they had mausoleums. They had little like houses that they'd put the bodies in. Yeah, if you could, if you could afford it. But people would bury their own dead in the sand around tombs and stuff like that. And there were uh, there were cemeteries and and that. But, it uh, was pretty pretty common to bury your dead in the sand in Egypt. But my point is a sarco- a mummy, a sarcophagus, a tomb, and then multiple vessels with your preserved innards inside of them is only something a king could afford. And the sahu would mean that means if the king is preserved in that manner then then his sahu would have a high ranking in heaven yeah. or a beautiful perfect yeah and and a and radiant physical body it would look perfect in heaven he would look like a god in heaven mm-hmm. and he's walking past all these schmucks with fucking blurry faces yeah because they were just tossed in a ditch and covered with sand yeah now, in the beginning, it was only for the pharaoh, but as time went on, it became much more affordable. We'll, we'll get there uh, later in the episode where we talk more specifically about the embalming rites. It was really common. Like, there's a there's a very large misconception that it's like, oh, well, em- embalming was only for the rich. It was actually very cheap. Like, everybody pretty much did it. But it's really a status symbol because the Sahu would elevate... It, it was like you're trying to get yourself into a higher echelon or you're trying to get a better resolution on your body in heaven when you retire. It's like so your credit it's score. Like, yeah, it's like building your credit score so you can have a, the best and biggest, most beautiful McMansion with like a screen porch and like lake access when you retire as a boomer. Imagine yeah, getting so- made fun of by demon bitches. Is your dick in 360p too? When it says that the quality of one sahu is linked to the cot or the physical body, that doesn't just mean in death. That means in life as well, because the cot isn't just the dead body. It's the living body. So as well. it's good to take care of your body while you're alive. Absolutely. Because your body is a, a, it's also linked to every other aspect of your soul. And there's an understanding that your body is inherently made of magic. Your body uh, is a temple. Magic. It, it is. They don't that's have wheelchairs exactly, in heaven. Take care of your legs. That's exactly <laughs> the belief of the Egyptians. So your body is a, a sacred vessel. <laughs> Imagine going to heaven and then seeing a couple of people with just some shrunkled, da- shrunkled, uh, shrunkled, <laughs> shrunk, dangledy ass, atrophied legs, just pulling themselves on a golden sidewalk. Some shrunkled legs. <laughs> Some, they occasionally Shrunkled. get stepped on or kicked in the fuck you. Fuck you. I had a whole thing going. 
No, um, that's the best word I've ever heard. It's like it's like fucking uh, fucking the Howard Dean screech. <laughs> You're lying about how old you are, Dingus. There's no. Well, how do you know about that shit? Come on. Because man. everybody knows about that. No, they don't. It was there funny. Plenty, there are plenty of people my age who are like, I'm about fucking people who are 22 know about the Dean screech. I don't Some know. of that's, them, if they like politics. That's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, it, they believed in the Sahu so much that, that even the poor people would try and take care of their bodies to some extent in, in anticipation of making it to heaven so they could keep working, I guess. The sixth body on our list here. This one's pretty important. It's called the Ob. And it's the heart body. It is the source of love or hate within a person. This is what must be balanced with truth during the weighing of the heart. The ob, the heart, is an integral part of the person because it's the seat of the soul, meaning all other aspects of the soul are based on the heart and affected by it. As such, it is the source of your being. If the heart is destroyed, all other aspects of the soul die with it. The heart is so important of an aspect of your being that if you had your heart fed to Amit during judgment, it meant that you didn't exist anymore. Not yeah, that yeah, you yeah. went somewhere with eternal suffering or that like, no, it just meant you didn't exist. So it's pretty important. So when the alligator eats the heart, does the heart go away too? And it's just hungry again. Kind of like feeding a dog bread. They don't realize that it's not actually doing anything for them. Bruh, it's the alligator from Peter Pan with the TikTok, TikTok. Oh, God. <laughs> it's, uh, you gotta, you gotta pay off your penance or, uh, your ab will get destroyed. When I was a kid, I always thought that alligator had a bomb in him. Me too. Well, it's a her. Aww. Amit is a, is a female, a, a demon. That's so cool. So there's an alligator goddess associated with this or a crocodile, well, she, I guess. She's, yeah, she's like, um, she's like a crocodile, I think lion hippo mixture. Uh, she's kind of like a, I don't know. A beast. Conglom a conglomerate beast. Um, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, she's, she's, she's pretty badass, I think. The chimera. Um, she's basically, her, her job is to like, if you... Do not pass the weighing of the heart. She devours your heart, which means that she devours your soul because everything else is based oh on the heart, right? Every, everything else sits upon the heart. Your heart affects all other aspects of the soul. So, like, everything that we just described previously, like the, the ba, the ka, the kai, the, it, the ab, the heart, affect all levels of the soul bodies. Like all aspects um, are affected. It's the center by point, the right? Yeah. It's just um, judgment. Yeah. So, so yeah. If she if she eats your heart, that's like you get fucked up. So, um, do not pass go. And it's interesting. Like the hieroglyph for the heart looks much like a simplified anatomical heart, standing like a like a vase or something like a container. So yeah. it, rep it would represent like your heart body container. So the seat of the soul, as in that's where the soul would go into when it comes back or when it's in you actively while this you're alive. Is, this is really like a, a key difference, though, or the first major one that I've seen between yeah. this and the uh, the Bardo, because in the Bardo, it explicitly states over and over again that you cannot die and that you're literally immortal. OK, so and the then, way that I kind of think of it is that if, if you... If, if at any point in the journey through the Duat, the underworld, if at any point uh, you are 
you know, I guess taken out by a demon or Amit eats your heart or you don't pass any of the um, confessions. If you don't pass any of those, that to me, that means that like you don't get to keep going. You have to go back. So those aspects of yourself are basically deleted. But the energy has to transmute somewhere. A lot of a lot of stuff like uh, hermeticism is kind of based in Egypt, right? There's a lot of of overlap that like you mm-hmm. can't just you can't just cut energy so i mean that would be basically i guess the re- the egyptian version of reincarnation would be the death of your soul yeah but it also gets they, the energy gets recycled and reanimated into something else into something yeah. new and but that's the thing is that even in physics and in science and basic laws it it states that in a closed system no energy can leave and no, none can be added so if mm-hmm. something disintegrates, then there's new energy to create something new. Yeah, it so really, basically the- it really kind of demonstrates their cultural perspective where this is a very worldly afterlife, almost kind of like the Christian heaven is a very worldly afterlife with a lot of like- material wealth and a, a yeah. body that looks like you, you yeah. know, and if you don't look like you, then you might as well be gone. <laughs> They only, had, they only had what's in front of them to really go off of like that you have to think like what was life like back in ancient egypt what can they subscribe as as symbolism to well, certain things it's going to be can, what they know i can tell you one thing they used a mixture of crocodile shit and honey as a contraceptive <laughs> i mean that'll it do didn't it work. i mean i guess i can't oh, say it didn't i work, guess it won't it, do it <laughs> i would not do that <laughs> And I guess it could work if you just plug it up. It's called you're also pull not up. living in you're also not living ten thousand years ago. <laughs> I just talked to some uh, some people on some camels from the Middle East and get one of those uh, condoms that they make. Oh, they it's used to of, make uh, them out of linen, out of uh, intestines, pig intestines. Now I'd heard this said somewhere that the ob was one of your souls that helped you connect across dimensions it's not written here this this way but i've been told that if you have a picture of somebody and you are focused on the heart feeling of that person that person to some extent is still alive you have to plug into them you have to be intimately and entangled with them in a way that uh these are this is what's called heart strings yeah the ob. Yeah, ever yeah heard of that you got to use your so, ob that's what i heard this is the strongest bond in the spiritual universe is um, if you care or love or you nurture, like it could be anything. It could be family, friends, uh, somebody who saved your life. Uh, it could be, you know, uh, you know, your offspring or your a great, 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 your ancestors, or it could be your significant other. Of course, there's all sorts of these bonds that you have. They're almost like gold. I would uh, I see them as golden chains, but they're like glowing so bright. They look like almost like laser beams. I've heard it described a little bit that way. How the ob works. It connects it, you. It's just like a link. Yeah, whatever you like, perceive it to be. But it feels that way in that there's always like uh, it uh, identical twins often report this feeling no matter how far Ah. they're separated. And then if they are not aware that they have a twin, oftentimes they'll have shared dreams or like out of body dreams where they can interact with each other and um, or they'll think that they're an invisible friend or something. Got it. But they're linked (laughs) in a way. It's so weird that. They're even if they're separated at birth, the ob 
between identical twins is so strong that they're often entrained to the point where if one twin, like say one twin works in a kitchen and he slices his finger, the other one's going to feel it and call him in five minutes. Tonight's the night. You have seen this doppelganger in your dreams for far too long and you are ready for combat. Okay. Slay your twin. All right, I'll do it. And you got an AK-47? Or should I just use a butter knife? I have a feeling the ob uh, and uh, the uh, and the ba are connected somehow, but I don't have any evidence. Abba. The ob is, like, inherently connected to all aspects of your soul. Like, it, it's that connected. It, it's the it nexus, has to, right? It, it, all of the aspects of yourself are based on the ob. I don't, so you're yeah. saying that intention forms our body. It, our, well, our soul body, yeah. And and that our soul body exists in um, in harmony with whatever the intention of the ob is. Now for you, Book of the Law Crowley people, the next two souls are pretty important. The seventh one on our list is the Ku or the Aku, and it is the immortal part of the soul. This is the spiritual intelligence part of the soul that is bright, shining eternal of light and flaming, which dwells in the heavens with the gods and stars in the Sahu body. So I'm pretty sure uh, Aku is uh, Egyptian for stars. Like, that's how they say stars. Uh, Mufasa is like, I'm in the stars, Simba. I'll always be with you. Like, that's the kind of, like, it's kind of an ancestral soul that continues on through other things. Piercing him with his harshly judging galaxy eyes. His beady little galaxy eyes. So the the Ku or Aku and the Sekem are pretty closely linked with each other. One is pretty much like the light and the other is the power. So the Sekem is the eighth soul on our list. It directly translates to power or might. And it was this word that was used to create the goddess Sekhmet. It's the life force or power of the soul. Ultimately accompanies the Ku in the Sahu. This is the seat of power for the entire soul. Likewise, this has a strong equivalence to what the Egyptian Book of the Law would term the Cobbs. This also means star. Verse 8 through 9 read, The Cobbs is in the Ku, not the Ku is in the Cobbs. Worship them the Cobbs and behold my light shed over you. So the Book of the Law has this concept of a Ku and a Cobbs. So you have a soul and then a soul star. And the revelation is that the soul star is seated within the soul, not the other way around. So that your your immortal essence is immortal and it is what radiates like the luminosity or the, or the soul, which has a sort of memory or uh, a body to it, like a form. I'm not sure which one would be which in these two between the Ku and the Sekhem, but it sounds like the Sekhem is like your your battery juice to your coup. So I, I would if admit the- I, it's hard to know which one's which. Interestingly enough, um, I've heard conversations about concepts similar to this in uh, in Christian fundamentalist circles. Uh, there are people who believe you just have a, a, a body and a soul and some people who believe you have a body, a soul and a spirit. And the soul would be like the immortal part and the spirit would be like what you considered you. With with the Ku and the Sekem, you could kind of, if you wanted to relate it to something that you could visualize, it would be like the light bulb and the electricity together. Yeah, that's uh, the spirit would die, but the soul would live on. That's what they were saying. And in this one, the Sekem would be like the power and then the Ku would be like the light bulb. Yes, 
Absolutely. Yeah. And then so these, just... these come with completing your journey, right? Or do you always have a SECAM? Do you always have a coup? Oh, the SECAM, yeah, the, the SECAM is like a descriptive word, basically, for that kind of life force. So it doesn't just exist in the soul either. It exists in like all of life, basically, throughout the cosmos, um, like on every level of being. Um, I, I would say uh, it's directly related to the Egyptian concept of, of magic. That would be like how the magic is expressed through your soul. Because everything in the universe to the Egyptians is magic. Like magic is the entire universe before the creation of all the gods. That, it, that without magic, there would have been no creation myth whatsoever. So like the Sekhem would be the like the expression of that power. And then we arrive at the ninth soul, which is known as the Ren or the name soul, which is said to be the true name of the person both in life and in the afterlife, during life, the true name of the person was secret. It held much power towards and from the individual. Supposedly, you would never give your true name because it held much power over you as well. The naming rituals of the true name upon birth were always kept secret. Your Ren soul is your name soul. From my understanding, if someone is slandering you, this is the soul that they're attacking. Your name also has some sort of a power. So I think that was, I think this is one reason they named Kylo Ren, Kylo Ren in Star Wars, because he carried the namesake of Darth Vader. Oh, it's less stupid now. So here's here's kind of a fun connection with this is uh, this kind of ties into the whole with don't slander the name of God kind of thing uh, in Christianity because there is power in name. So that's uh, in in Egypt, like the um, the true name of God, which is the hidden name, the Ren, the true name of God that's hidden is Amun, which is what the what Christianity bases Amen off of. So Amun in Egypt is the the hidden uh, name of, of Ra, basically. Uh, and Amun is like the the hidden occult force of creation. So when you when you say Amun, that's what you're referring to. So when you say Amen, that's what you're referring to. Oh shit. Even if the hip hippies use it, everyone uses it. I mean really if you wanted if you legit wanted to curse God, you would curse Amun. Oh. That's really fucking matter, I guess. <laughs> the Egyptian Book of the Dead. Rupert M. Heru, or coming forth by day. Gaining dominion over one's fleet or legions, going into and coming out of the underworld, is what the Egyptian Book of the Dead is all about. While the evidence from the beginning of recorded Egyptian history suggests that only the pharaoh was allowed the entrance to the afterlife, this did eventually change. By the time the papyrus, known as the Egyptian Book of the Dead, was found, it and other scrolls of the dead were available to certain upper and middle class Egyptians as well. By 3000 BC, everyone was believed to be able to qualify for entrance into the afterlife, but only if they succeeded in the passage. So does that does that contradict with what you told us earlier, Heka? So basically, there's a lot of Egyptologists that will suggest that only the pharaoh was allowed entrance to the afterlife, but it's it's also um, the only evidence that really exists from that time period is going to be the stuff that stood the test of time, which would which would be tombs and whatnot. So there is not really a whole lot of evidence to suggest other than People that. People with the kind of, 
people who could afford the uh, structural integrity to last. Yeah, so the, that's that's the evidence that we do have, and that's basically only pharaohs. Um, so then as time goes on, we have more evidence coming forward saying that other people that were not royalty were taking part in these rituals. So as far back as you can go in Egyptian uh, history, the, the only stuff that really exists is the stuff that stood the test of time, and, and that's going to be... Uh, you know, the pyramids, the tombs, the, anything that's carved in stone. And the commoner is not going to be heralded in the same way that the pharaohs were, right? So that's why the evidence is is very specific to, like, this is what we did with the pharaohs in this time period. As time goes on, there's more artifacts that aren't weathered. Kind of like how people thing. will only know about Scientology because of South Park like 500 years from now. <laughs> so this is this is just saying that like while the evidence from the beginning of recorded Egyptian history says this, like we also have evidence that states that we have a lot more recent artifacts than we do ancient artifacts. So when you start coming forward in time, you start having more evidence that this was something that applied to everybody. Actually, Dingus, the collected works of L. Ron Hubbard have been etched in gold and hermetically sealed like a mile underground or something. Sad to say, when the Earth is eventually destroyed, they will think Scientologists ran the planet. No, hang on. It'll get sucked deeper and deeper into the Earth's core under ideal conditions, and it might, since all that shit was in Florida, the tide might come in too. They're going to think Elrond straight to the fucking mantle was the also, emperor. Should, we should make a Scientology tarot. Oh, they yeah. probably already have that. No, they probably don't because they get sued. I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> Even if someone could not afford a Book of the Dead scroll, they would still be mummified. Much like today, there were varying levels of mummification available, starting with inexpensive for the lower class and ranging to a price that was ridiculous for the upper class. When lower class Egyptians passed away and couldn't actually afford to have bodies fully mummified, it was fairly common for the family to do the mummification that they could by burying the bodies as close to existing tombs as possible. Now, I think that the cheap mummies were probably made with peanut butter and glitter, but I don't have any evidence <laughs> for this. Probably more crocodile shit than anything else. Just what like about, trying to not have a baby. What about spider webs? <laughs> you know how long it would take to get that many spider webs? Oh, a lot. Well, what if you mix in a little sawdust with it? Do you know how tiny a spider's sphincter is, Mari? How do you? I'm I'm sure the webs don't come out of their sphincter. Yeah, it's <laughs> close to it, buddy. This this episode is something else. The gland that creates the uh, silk is called the spinneret. Mari sure knows a lot about spider asses. Now the idea behind burying the body next to a more proper tomb was the hope that the person in the afterlife would get the same blessing that had been placed on the tomb. Like an AOE spell effect. Nature was a bit of a help, though, for mummification because Egypt is so arid and the sand is so salty that the body desiccates most rapidly. Jackals would live on the outskirts of cities and would scavenge as they roamed, occupying cemeteries, perusing tombs, and sometimes digging up bodies buried too shallow in the sand. Because they fed on carrion, they were commonly associated with death. Anubis is the jackal-headed god who meets you at the border between life and death. 
then guides you into the underworld, or Duat. In general, Scrolls for the Dead explain the process of one might call Judgment Day, like in the Terminator franchise, and the end-of-life reconciliation on the journey into the afterlife. It was also a book of spells, meant to aid the deceased on their journey through the Duat. The Egyptian Book of the Dead, as we know it, was not the only scroll of its kind. Scrolls were quite popular for anyone who had the coin to get one. But they weren't just a guide for the dead, they were also a guide for how to live. Like a chick track, or the things that the Mormons give you every couple weeks. I remember I used to get chick tracks as a kid. Oh, you had chick tracks as a kid? I had one friend friend that would bring them to school just to show me and we would laugh at them. He was also a furry. That's the first, uh, it might not be the first time, but you usually avoid saying that bluntly. What, like... Uh, he was like my best furry friend in in high school. Oh, and, so you know, uh, so you know, you're going to hell. Like that- probably he would bring chick tracks to school and we would laugh at them. But he was raised in Louisiana, so there's that. Fucking uh, yeah. So I had this one about a cowboy. <laughs> yeah, he was he was a piece of shit. He was a murderous piece of shit, but he prayed and got saved. And then the sheriff that got him arrested, who was portrayed as a good... I mean, you know how this shit goes. They they, they show him going to hell later and poking his balls at the pitchfork <laughs> or something. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I was a good person. Why? What did I do to deserve this? Because you didn't believe in Jesus Christ, the sacrifice made for you in the blood while this evil cowboy gave up his last breath unto the Savior. Now his balls are not being poked for eternity. So that whole series, that whole series is about being afraid because you're going to be tortured in the afterlife. They had an opposite sort of wisdom in ancient Egypt. It was live life, not that thou shalt die. Meaning that you shouldn't live your life with the anticipation of just going through all this bullshit in your death or you're not supposed to live with the constant shadow of looming mortality over you, I get, which is kind of optimistic, especially compared to the notion that you might be sent to heck for listening to Janis Joplin or something. I don't understand. (laughs) That seems like the only way to live, always thinking about dying. That's what I do. What did they mean by this? Like, live in the moment? Was this, like, ancient Egyptian YOLO? This is, like, basically saying that there, there's no real difference to your self between your living self and your dead self, and that it's all part of one cycle, and that, like, the more that you look at it as um, separated, the more you're likely to, to um, live too much in the moment. Uh, wow. Or not in, or not enough in the moment. So it, it's kind of saying like, you know, like do your best, but also like enjoy yourself and like pursue pleasures as well. It's saying for you to be balanced. Are you simple. a brood or I a thought, dumbass? Well, it's, it's saying don't be either. Don't be a prude, but also don't be a total jackass. Balance is the key. Yeah, like if if you're like, well, 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 you only live once. Let's go and do this. Uh, I'm gonna be a fucking asshole. Pardon my language. I'm so sorry. Is like a beach. I forget the rest of it. Fucking master Ubway's the dude. Now these scrolls describe the work of making perfect the balance of yourself. They were meant to be used as tools to assist in the individual's passage after a lifetime of overcoming obstacles and remaining true to oneself over time. Schools for the Dead became available to more and more people. What we recognize now is the Egyptian Book of the Dead, 
was not just a guidebook for the dead, but more specifically, was a personal guidebook for a royal scribe named Ani. Just so happens to be the oldest scroll of its kind that survived as one complete book. I believe it was 72 pages. That particular scroll was tailored to Ani's individual journey into death and the afterlife. The spells contained within it were selected specifically for his unique passage. Not every book of the dead would contain the same spells and inscriptions as Ani's scroll. So that's why you typically hear the book of the dead referred to as Ani's skull because there is no book of the dead. They just knew kind of this, all this stuff happened and then there were certain rituals and things and uh, you had spells specifically for you. Like if you wanted to eat or poop or have sex or <laughs> make a sandwich. I don't know because you had to do all those things in the afterlife. So Ani's scroll, it, it was 72 feet long and what makes it special is that um like because people grave robbed constantly in egypt especially when once they knew that they could sell it to foreigners right so there was just a lot of pillaging going on and to make the most amount of money uh a lot of the grave robbers would chop up all the scrolls they would chop it into sections and sell them individually because they could make a lot more money that way so ani's scroll was pretty much the only one that they found that was all one piece and it was um 72 feet long. Um, and so now they this is a, the one that they can read from beginning to end because it wasn't sold as individual parts. What a basically. bitch. You've got this fucking well-preserved scroll. You're the only one in the afterlife who's doing well at this point. All of your friends have fallen apart and then they steal all of your shit. So, okay, so uh, I think it was, um, uh, what's his name? E.A. E. Budge or, or he's a yeah, famous Budge. Yeah, Budge is the one that uh, basically got his hands on Ani's Book of the Dead. So this this would have been because every Book of the Dead is different and uh, made specifically for that person. So none of them are going to match 100%. Not a single one. They're all different. So okay. Budge got his hands on Ani's scroll. Yeah, he, he does kind of like a pretty epic tale of trying to smuggle it out of Egypt because they were trying to stop people from taking uh, any of the artifacts out of Egypt. So yeah, he got it out history. of... Yeah, but he got it out of Egypt. And then, uh, you know what he did is he chopped it up. And then he screamed, ha ha, the British Empire strikes again. He Listen, chopped British. up the scroll like an asshole. Oh, speaking of which, if you'd like to hear the rest of this episode, please visit www.patreon.com slash the whole rabbit, where we continue talking about the halls of the dead, Osiris, uh, banging each other's wives and other sorts of things that get people hacked into little tiny pieces. Thank you, everybody. Eat carrots and shoot lasers. (laughs) 